0: Okay, take your sermon guide and there are four takeaways that I want to give you this morning. I want to give them to you before I begin the message. They are the roadmap for today. They are our guide. They are signposts. They will help me remember what I'm talking about. The first thing I want you to write down is measure. We're going to talk about what we measure. Then we're going to talk about our confession, what we confess. Then we're going to talk about the importance of participation. And we're going to round it out with the Spirit. I titled the message this morning, Living in the Spirit. The message comes from Paul's letter to the Galatians. And Paul is talking in this letter about the power of what happens when we bring our best self and our effort before God and then invite the presence and the Spirit of God to join our efforts to produce in us the kind of life that will bring us happiness and please God. A life of living in the Spirit. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for today and thank you for your grace and your investment in us. We thank you that you have chosen us because you are good and not because we are good. That you have this relentless, passion filled love for every person here. And I pray this morning that these words, these qualities that we'll be talking about this morning will begin to bloom in each of our lives. May your spirit make this happen in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I want you to help me out now. I I want you to turn to someone around you, to one person, and I want you to say this. I want pancakes. Come on. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what that means later, I'll tell you what it means later, but, but I'm going to serve up a plate of pancakes this morning. Everybody's going to leave here full of pancakes before this service is over. You're going to get your pancakes this morning. So say it to me, I want pancakes. pancakes. All right, okay, so the focus of the message this morning is Galatians chapter 5, Verse 22, it's a, it's a passage of scripture that, that we are just all, most of us are familiar with. And we're going to land right here and spend some time here this morning. Uh, this is what it says. Paul is writing and says, the Holy Spirit produces, grows, develops, nurtures this kind of fruit in our lives. That the evidence of the Spirit at work in our lives that these things begin to grow in us. They become visible in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now what these, what these nine things are, the, these, these fruits of the Spirit are, they are the attributes, the characteristics the traits of God what God is like when when these traits become visible in our life then what God is like begins to grow and show up in what we are like So as you look at your life, I think about my life, I think about who I am, I think about who you are, how do we know if we're making progress? We look at who God is, we look at the characters, the characteristics, the values, the traits of what God is like, and we ask ourselves, are these things becoming more visible in our life? Are they showing up in the way that we treat other people? Are we becoming more loving? Are we becoming more joyful? Are we becoming more kind? Are we becoming more patient? Look at the word self-control. Self-control is basically exercising control over our desires. It's feeling something, but not always responding to our feelings. Sometimes what I feel I should do is not the right thing to do. Sometimes the right thing to do is to ignore our feelings. So pay attention to your feelings and know what your feelings But if someone hurts your feelings, oftentimes what happens is we want to hurt their feelings. But self-control means that we are exercising control over our impulses, over our desires, and how we feel. It's deciding what is the right thing to do, the helpful thing to do, the good thing to do. Peace, for example. Do you ever feel a lack of peace? Torn up on the inside. Troubled on the inside. I know, I know sometimes we feel, you know, like it's a clear day. The sun is shining. There is no wind everything is calm and everything feels right with the world we have those days and then we have those days when it feels like there are dark clouds and everything is blowing around in our life and on the inside and we feel turmoil and tension and difficulty it, it, it may be uh, something with your work you you're you're trying to make a big decision about your life or your career and you don't feel at peace with it. Or maybe it's uh, something in your family, you're concerned about something, you're, you're worried about something and so you can't sleep at night because stuff is stirred up on the inside of you. When, when the Holy Spirit's at work in your life, it doesn't mean that your circumstances are always going to change or the storms will go away. But what it does is it gives you the ability to have a sense of peace in the midst of it so that you can make the best decision that you need to make. Or look at joy. The kind of joy that the Spirit produces in your life is not the joy that's dependent upon your circumstances. Paul in another letter says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I've been hungry. I've been full I've been poor, I've been rich, but whatever the circumstances is, I've learned to be content. When you have the Spirit at work in you, there's a joy in you that can't be taken from you. So let me ask you, of these words, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, what do you need more of? Pick one word. With where you are right now in your life, what do you need? Jeff, what is what was your word? Self-control. Max, what was your word? Gentleness. The last service I asked a, a lawyer in our church and he said gentleness, and everybody cheered. Sherry, what was your word? Patience. Patience. So when we look at these words, we look at these these beautiful qualities and these beautiful gifts, this is how we measure our life. We want to see these things becoming visible in our life. These are the signs that the activity of the Spirit is at work in our life. When we offer our life before God, these are the characteristics in all of our life, all of our lives would be better if these things were going. And think about our world right now. Could our world need use a little more love? Could our world l- use a little more joy? Could our world use a little more peace? You, you see, you see, the hope, the hope that the world is looking for is it, this is a great time to be the church. Because if we are God's people and if the fruit is growing in our lives, we're not bringing discord. We're not bringing hate. We're not bringing judgment. We're bringing joy. We're bringing grace, goodness, gentleness, kindness. What that means for us is if Christ is at work in your life and in my life, as we look at all the discord, hate, and animosity, we're rising above it. We're we're living above it. We're living in it, but we're rising above it, and we're going to bring everybody up with us, and people will look at us and say, Where'd you get that hope? Where'd the, where'd the hope come from? Second thing, then. First was measure. And the second is confession. We must confess that there's work to be done. I have work to do. You have work to do and if you don't confess it, you're never going to address it. You are not who you need to be. I am not who I need to be. We live in a world where no one wants to take accountability for themselves or accept responsibility for themselves. It's so easy to be distracted by what's wrong with another person. The truth is, you can't change someone else. You can only change yourself. We don't need our enemies to confess their sins. Jesus encourages us to confess our sins. If you don't confess it, you can't address it. If you don't know where you're starting out, how will you know where you need to go? So when you read something like this, it it elevates our thinking, but it also helps us to think about, so where am I coming up short? What do I need to do? What do I need to bring before God? And the the beautiful thing about God is, is that God's grace is big enough that he will not turn you away when you show him who you are. God loves honesty. God loves transparency. God's grace... Love is unconditional. And so when you show up and say, God, you know, I see all these things, but I, I'm, I don't have peace. And gosh, you know I'm really struggling with patience. Will you help me? You see, I think that your biggest obstacle is probably my biggest obstacle. I mean, I really, I really want these things in my life, but I am really a good liar, I lie to myself all the time. I bet there's a lot of other liars in the room. You see, the biggest obstacle to us making progress in any of these areas is our self-deception. Our self-deception. We deceive ourselves. You know, the truth is, some of you are better... Than you think you are. You're better than you think you are. You don't think highly enough of yourself. Some of you are not as good as you think you are. You think too highly of yourself. And some of you are not thinking about anything at all. You're not even the least bit concerned. Woohoo! Whatever goes, man, I'm cool. We're just going through life, having a good time. You're not all concerned. The point is when it comes to, when it comes to your confession, you've got to have a point of reference. What's your point of reference? Where's your measure? Here's your measure. You look at who God is and you look at who Jesus is. Jesus is all these things. And so I ask you, you know, who are you comparing yourself to? Are you accountable to anyone? We, we live in a world where there's nothing's true. Nothing's true. You know, you believe what you believe. I believe what I believe. Everything's going to be great. Do what I want. I'm not I'm not hurting you. You won't hurt me. Well, that's fine. But at some point, you got to have something that's true. You know, where 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 are you looking as for your reference point? If you look at the world, what does the world say? The world says that. The good life is the life where you work hard and you make good investments and then you retire and then you live a selfish, self-absorbed life on some nice vacation spot. The world says that if you're young and good looking and you drive a Buick, you have a happy life. Ask Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) What's your reference point? You know, if you're, if you're single and you're dating, is your reference point the bachelor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sleep with seven or eight people to find out which one has the most chemistry, marry them, and then get divorced? Is that your reference point? You know, this is our reference point. This is truth. Jesus is truth. I am the way, the truth. And the life. That's our, that's our reference point. That helps us eliminate the self-deception. I, I remember this guy, this, this guy in the former church, I'd be honest, I didn't like him. I like all of you, but I didn't like him. He, 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 every time he'd walk in the building, I just would, he was just obstinate, he was difficult, he was stubborn, and finally I just had enough of it. I mean, he's, he was difficult and so I decided I'm gonna fix him so I wrote a sermon just for him (laughs) he was there it was great I'm preaching and I'm thinking man I'm just giving it to him I'm looking around I'm just giving it to him giving it to him man I'm just nailing this guy I'm just crucifying this dude I know everybody in the room's happy because I'm finally finally giving it to this guy you know (laughs) and he was listening and he looked he was smiling and it was wonderful and I thought man finally Walking out the back door, he's walking out the back door, shakes my hand. I promise you, this is what he said. He goes, That was the best sermon you ever preached. And on the inside, I went, Woohoo! And then he said it. There were a lot of people here today who needed to hear that message. <laughs> Self deception. <laughs> third, third thing, the third thing then is, is participation. What you need to know is. What you need to know about all this work is, is that God's not looking for perfection. God's looking for participation. God's not looking for the A student who has to, who doesn't have to try hard at anything, just shows up and gets the A. God would rather have the C student that works really hard to get the C. You know, I don't know about you, but. But when I work with people who want to make some change in their life, I want to work with the people that want to try and give some effort rather than the people who want me to do the work for them. So many people don't want, they don't want to do the hard work of the spirit because they've been invaded by a spirit of entitlement. I deserve it. Shouldn't have to work for it. Well, the truth is, is it's God and you working together. And if you show up and bring your investment, God's going to bring God's investment. It is participation that grabs God's attention, not perfection. And there's nothing better than working with God and the sweat and the effort and then feeling the exhilaration of saying, you know what, last year, if she would have said that to me, I would have said it right back. But a year passed and she said that to me and now I just smiled and said, I love you. Last year, I was so impatient. This year, I've made some progress. I'm more patient. That's great. So pancakes. Okay. So I don't know how to do anything else but preach and run. So there's a running story. Okay. So so my friend Pat's here this morning. Pat is a running part. We run together, and every Saturday I belong with these group of guys, and I'm the oldest, slowest person there, and they're all very fast and nice and kind. We run from Seneca Park to the Falls of Ohio and back. It's a long run. That's about 16, eight out and eight back. On the way back, on the way down, it's great because it's all downhill. Yeah, this is good. The way back, It's uphill. When you get to the bottom where River Road goes up Frankfort Avenue back toward uh, Seneca Park, there's a half mile hill. By the time you get to that point, you're at like mile 12. Tired legs, tired body, you just want to stop. But you got this hill. And my friend Pat says the same thing every time we run this hill. He goes, David, just, just put one foot in front of the other because the top of the hill, we got pancakes. Pancakes right up there. Just right. You get to the top of the hill, you're going to have pancakes. What do you want on those pancakes? Well, I want some strawberries and some raspberries and put a big piece of sausage. You got me right when you said sausage. Sausage right in the middle of it. Cover it with syrup and butter and you can taste those pancakes. And so I can see those pancakes visually at the top of the hill and I stop worrying about my body and the tiredness and those pancakes, the vision from where I'm going and what I'm going to get when I get to the top, get me to the top. And when we get to the top, we high-five and say, Pancakes and boy it feels good, it tastes good. There's your pancakes. So, so that effort I'm talking about, this effort I'm talking about here today, these are the pancakes of the Spirit. When you work with God, give yourself this vision. Man, I want these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, general self, that's our pancakes. And when you see them at the top of whatever hill you're trying to climb, it gives you the motivation to go there. But if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to get there? It just feels like effort. But when you can see the pancakes, you know, you you get there. This is your motivator. And, 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 And then this is the last word is the word spirit. I want you to look at this verse. He talks about, he talks here about freedom. He says, don't use your freedom to just indulge your desires. No, I love you. I've set you free from the law so that you can just let me work in your life. And he says, the whole purpose of all this work we're doing is so we can love each other. It's all about love, he says. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. That's our world, Okay. Biting, devouring, destroying one another. That's our world. Just turn on the news. Turn on social media. Look at it. Just look at what people are doing to each other. But we decided we're going to be different. This is what he goes on and he says this then. So I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do the biting and the devouring. is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And this is a beautiful thing, the spirit gives us the desires that are the opposite. So, so, so that's what happens is you open your life, your heart to God, and it begins to change what you want. You want pancakes. You want what God wants. And he says, these forces are at work inside of us. There's this battle going on inside of us. And when we, when we participate, when we bring ourselves to God, God brings himself to us and begins to work on it in us. And we begin to have momentum. And then he goes on and he says, but when you follow the desires of your impulses and you're not working with God, the results are clear. And he gives us a long list. Pick your poison. And he says, I can tell you that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What he means there is jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, all those kinds of things will not give you the life that God wants to give you. They do not give you pancakes. That's not pancakes. It's not fruit. Then he goes on and says this, this is how it happens. But the Holy Spirit produces these things in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the beautiful thing is, man, that's what our world needs. So as we rise above it, we, we aim high. Uh, we start working for the things that God wants to give us, and we join our efforts with God's efforts. What happens is our life gets changed, and then everything gets changed. We're in this world, but we're not of those world. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross And crucified them there. What that means is the old life, the old life we want to let go of, we're letting go of it and we're giving it to God and saying, here it is. It's not working for me anymore. I don't want it anymore. I want pancakes. Come on. I want pancakes. Now I know you're going to keep pulling them off and taking it back. We lay it down, we pick it up. We lay it down, we pick it up. But over time, we begin to look more and more like him. And at the end of the letter, you know what he says? At the end of the letter, he says this. Never give up on doing good because God will never give up. On you. Amen.